have a whole lot to worry about. In fact, we wouldn't have anything to worry about. Go ahead and take your Bibles this morning and go to the book of 1 John. 1 John. I had a tough time deciding what to preach about today. I had uh, I have a Memorial Day message that I was wanting to do, but I think I'm going to save that one for tonight. Uh, but over the next probably maybe five weeks or so, uh, we're going to stay in the book of 1 John. I was talking to uh, Brother Bob Johnson last week, the missionary that we had, and we were talking about a lot of things, uh, you know, just with uh, you know religion and stuff. And one thing that we were both, uh, you know, agreed on that was really sad is just how few uh, churches and religions today are teaching their people how they can know that they're saved. I mean that. Should be kind of one of the main things, uh, really, and many people don't. I remember I was talking to a lady one time who was a Sunday school teacher, and we were talking about knowing you're saved, and she was like, "Well, how how can you know?" And I thought, "Wow, you know, if you're 
teaching the Bible, that's probably a good thing to learn. But the thing is, many people aren't taught that. You know, if somebody gets saved, especially if it's later in life, it's real easy to take it for granted. I was privileged to have grown up in church and I was taught these things as a little kid. But I mean, if somebody just gets saved or they're, maybe they're just wanting to be a Christian they don't know and you just hand them this Bible, well, there's, there's quite a bit in this book. They're not just going to automatically know where to go and, you, and somebody's got to teach them. And that's our responsibility as a church and as, as pastors. And I did something that I'm kind of nervous about doing, but I, I gave, if you got a bulletin, the outlines are in there. And um, the reason I was nervous about it, I was talking about it in Sunday school, that, you know, now everybody can tell when I'm just about done. And you can just kind of see that excited look people get on their face, you know, when you get to that last point and they start, you know, putting their jackets on and closing up their Bibles and you, you know, it's like, alright, you know, I didn't, you know, don't, at least, you know, so when we get to that point, you know, at least pretend you don't want to leave, alright? I know we're probably getting hungry and everything like that, but just, just humor me, alright? And I, I would appreciate that very much. But in 1 John chapter 5, and the reason I gave you those outlines too, there's a lot of references in there that we, that I probably won't even get to. But you know, everything I'm talking about, it's all, it's all Bible. And I encourage you, if it's something that maybe you want to know more about, you'd like to study it yourself, uh, take it, take those notes home and go through and read those passages. Uh, you know, some of the times I'll just read maybe a verse. If you go and just read that whole chapter, a lot of times there's a lot more things in there that could really help you with it. And I really encourage you to do that. But in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, it says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I ask that You'll be with me this morning as I try to deliver this message. And Lord, I pray that You will use it, Lord, and that all of us will be able to Know for sure that we're saved, Lord. We'll be able to take the Bible, Lord, and be able to not only know it for ourselves, but we can show other people how they can know that they're saved and on their way to heaven. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Notice how it says there, I've written these things in you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You know, there's a lot of people who believe in Jesus Christ, but they don't know they're saved. And I think it's a very important thing to know your Savior. He said, these things have I written. What things? Well, the things that we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. And we're going to be staying mostly in 1 John. We're going to read some verses from the book of John. So don't get those too confused. But this this whole book of the Bible, it's only five chapters. It's short. You could sit down. You could read through it in 15-20 minutes probably. And these things that are in here... Are John wrote them. He wanted to help people. He wanted them to be able to know that they were saved because he knew there's there's going to come times in your life where you might be a little confused and where you're, maybe you're not real sure. You're going to hear people preach some things sometimes. There's you know unfortunately not everybody out there is telling the truth. Not every religion is preaching the gospel the way it should be preached. And it can be very confusing. You know if you go if you were to go out in the streets and start asking people how. Huh, how do you get saved? How, do you, how can you know you're going to heaven? You're probably going to get a pretty big variety of answers. Most of the answers too are probably going to go something along the lines of, well, you know, if, if you're sincere, you know, if you're just good enough, your good outweighs your bad, then I think you'll be okay. Well, first of all, that's not biblical. And second of all, I think, you know, that's not, that's not what we want. 
It's important that we know. He said, these things have I written unto you that ye may know. Alright, we need to, we need to know that. And we see how in 1st John, and we're going to stay in, today we're going to be just dealing with chapter 1. And boy, there's a lot of good things here in this chapter. I wanted to do, I wanted to do the whole message in one day, but I, as I was studying for it, I thought there is so much in here that I don't want to just be skipping over things and go over them quick. We're going to take our time and we're going to go through these things because I believe it's very important. But in 1st John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Notice here how John, he's saying, he's like, this is something that we've seen. We were there. We handled the Word of Life. You know, I get aggravated when people come to me and they'll say that, well, you know, there's no history that supports, you know, that Jesus ever really lived on this earth. It's like, wait a minute. We've got several books of the Bible. Those are history too. These were people who saw it, people who were there, people that wrote about it. There's less history about some of the pharaohs and things that, and some of the kings and Alexander the Great, people like that. There's far less history on those guys and that's accepted as just absolute fact. But because these books are in the Bible, well, then it's not history. It's just religion. No, it's true. There were people that were there. John was one of them. He was there. He was with Jesus. He was one of His disciples. And he's telling us here in this passage, he's talking about Jesus Christ, that which was from the beginning. We were there. We handled the word of life. John chapter one, verse one. If you want to, if you you follow along, I want to read a few verses to you. This is the same person writing here, and he says, "In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God." The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Notice Jesus Christ. The first thing you need to know is Jesus Christ is eternal life. Jesus Christ is eternal life. He, Jesus Christ is the source of everything that is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. It was God that spoke this universe into existence. It was God that created heaven. It was God that created hell. It was God that created life. He created it. Everything that is, is here because of God. He created eternal life. It comes from Him. And Jesus Christ is God. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Talking about Jesus Christ, Jesus is eternal life. John called Him that. He said we have handled the Word of life. And He is the source of everything that it is. And He is the one that we must believe in. He's it. He's the only one. I know a big thing that's being shoved down our throats today is that you know all God's are okay, or all gods are the same, or it doesn't really matter what the name of the God is as long as you know you're sincere. You know, you can't say that one God's better than another. Well, I know they say you can't say it, but I'm gonna say it anyway. One God is better than another, and the one true God is better. He is the one true God, the only God. But John eleven verse twenty four says Um Martha saith unto him, I know that ye shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. 
And Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in Me shall never die. Believest thou this? Lazarus is dead. Lazarus, he's been in the tomb for four days. Jesus comes there and people are thinking, you know, they had enough faith in Jesus to believe that He could have kept Lazarus from dying, but they didn't have enough faith to think that Jesus could raise him from the dead. And Jesus, you know, he's at, he asked Martha this question, you know, do you believe? And she's like, I believe in the resurrection of the last day. I believe in that far off thing that we can't really see right now. And Jesus tells her flat out, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and he shall never die. Jesus Christ is the one that you must believe in. It was Jesus that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. Anybody who tells you that there's another way to heaven other than through Jesus Christ is wrong. They are, they are lying. Jesus Christ is eternal. He is eternal life. He is the source for everything that is. He is the one that we must believe in. He's the only one that can save you. They say, well, the God doesn't matter. Yes, it does. What God you serve, what God that you're following is going to determine... How you act. It's going to determine you know what you do. That's why you don't you don't see Christians, uh, you don't hear about Christians doing all these suicide bombings all the time. You don't. You, it just doesn't happen. I know we're not supposed to profile the Muslims and things in the airports and stuff, but you know what? When a bunch of Christians start doing it, when we when old ladies start blowing up planes and they start hiding bombs on themselves, and we'll start checking the old ladies. But until then, let's just check the ones that are doing it. Because that's what their God or their religion teaches. I know that's politically incorrect, but I'm politically incorrect. I believe politically incorrect means correct. <laughs> and that's, just, that's just the way it is. But Jesus Christ is the one we must believe in. Jesus Christ also we see there in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. You can say, well, you know what? You're just, be, you're just being divisive. You're... You're the one that's the cause of all the problems. You're the one that's causing all the hostility and the separation and problems in the world. You fundamental Christians that think that your way is the only way. But in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, you know, Jesus is all about peace and all about loving everybody and everything's great and kumbaya and all that good stuff. But 1 John chapter 1, 3 says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is what we all have in common. Luke chapter 2, in verse 10 through 14, this is a very well known verse that's even used by the world many times. But this is right shortly after Jesus was born on that first Christmas day. And it says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let me tell you, we see here in this verse that Jesus Christ, He did not just come. He was not just for the Jews. He was not just for us. He was for the world. 
I bring good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you, not just the Jewish people, for unto you, all mankind, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He is the Savior of the whole world. That Jesus Christ is why we have we can have things in common. That's why there's we can there's, uh, that we can have fellowship with people maybe from other countries and other backgrounds and have I mean we're all different. We all have different you know personalities. And you know what? That's why we fight all the time. It's not because of religion and things like that. Mankind fights with each other. That's what we do. We have wars with each other. I mean, we're constantly at each other's throats. I mean, it, I mean, we're we're always fighting. Even Christian people, we tend to fight all the time. And the way that we're going to have fellowship, the way that we're going to have peace on earth, is not through the Christians backing down and saying everybody's great, everything's okay. Because guess what? We're still going to fight. The Muslims are still not going to like us. They're still going to want. They they go after. They fight with each other because one group's not strict enough. Christian groups or quote Christian groups, they've fought with each other in the past. We're always going to fight when we'll have unity. When we'll have peace is when we have fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's why there are people, even from other countries and different backgrounds, that boy, you just get around them, and there's just something. That boy, it it bonds the two of you. It, it that brings you together, and it's Jesus Christ. He is what will bring peace on the earth. And someday He's going to come, and He's going to rule and reign on this earth. And there will be peace on earth. And without Jesus Christ, there can be no peace. We are not the cause of the strife in the world. If people would accept Jesus Christ, there would be peace. There would be unity, and all that great stuff that people are always talking about. That is. Never going to come until Jesus Christ comes to this earth. But Christ and His followers, we've never, they've never been the ones to attack. They've always been the attack. Christ wants and offers peace. The world rejects it. He came to this earth. He's offered peace. He's offered salvation. But many people, they see it and they don't. that's not what they wanted. The truth is, what people really want today is they want to continue on in their sins And they don't want there to be anybody to make them feel bad for it. And that's what it all comes down to. They don't like churches that preach against sin and that call out different sins. They don't like that. That's mean. That's divisive. You're you're you know you're a bigot. You're whatever. It's like no, we're preaching the word. You know you're causing strife. You're the one causing fighting. No, people fight no matter what. It's what they've always done. If you if you want fellowship, if you want peace, accept Christ, accept His gift of salvation. Then there will be unity. But they're all, it's funny. It's always the Christians. We're always the ones that are supposed to back down. We're always the ones that are supposed to give up. And even if we did, they still wouldn't get what they wanted. It would only make things worse. But Jesus Christ, He's our fellowship. He's what we all have in common. Jesus Christ, He's also our security. First John one. Verse 4 says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. God wants us to have a full joy. I couldn't have fullness of joy if I didn't know where I was going to spend eternity. I, listen, I've, I've studied the Bible about hell. It's not a good place. It's not somewhere I want to go. I've studied the Bible and I see very clearly that I do deserve to go there. 
that I, I definitely deserve it. And I also have studied, and I, it's very clear in the Bible that it's eternal. It's not a temporary thing. That it's, it's, it doesn't end. It's eternal. It's not just a spiritual thing. It's literal. I mean, it's literal. It's there. And I don't want to be there. I couldn't have full joy if I, if there was anything in my mind telling me that, you know what, I might end up going there. I couldn't have that fullness of joy. And he said, these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. God does not want you to have to worry about that. He paid for your sins on the cross. He showed you in His Word how you can be saved. And He wants you to be sure of it so your joy may be full. And we see that Jesus Christ is our security. We rely on His righteousness. The reason people struggle many times with whether or not they're saved is they keep looking at themselves. They keep saying things like, well, you know, if I'm good enough, or they'll say things like, well, I don't know if I feel saved, or I just I don't I don't think I deserve it, or you know, could God you know save somebody as rotten as I am, or could God keep somebody as bad as I am saved? You know, why are you sure you can't lose it? But the thing is, we're not relying in our righteousness; we rely in His righteousness. Titus chapter three, verse four says, "But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done." Y'all to underline. It's good to underline things in your Bible. Underline that not by works of righteousness which we have done. Tell you, somebody, somebody needs to show these verses to some of these people out there over in the Philippines that every Good Friday they go and have themselves nailed to a cross. Somebody needs to tell them it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. Some of these people, we need to go tell some of these, show this verse to some of the people that are constant or trying to have enough good works that are trying to make their good works outweigh their bad works. Somebody needs to show this first to people who are saying, you know, just as long as you're sincere, as long as you're good enough. It says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. We don't deserve it. He was being merciful to us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly. See, it, it took an amazing... It's an amazing thing that we can be saved. It was an amazing price that was paid. It's an amazing grace that can save somebody as rotten as us, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. We need to constantly be reminding people about this. We need to be beating it into their heads. It says that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Notice that there. And a lot of people will say, okay, it's by grace we're saved. It's not of works. So you know what? It doesn't matter if I live like a heathen. As long as I believe, as long as I'm saved, I can go and I can do whatever sin I want and I'm okay. But it says no. He says this is a faithful saying. He said that thou maintain good works. If you believed, if you're saved, go ahead. Keep doing those good works. That's exactly what God wants. He wants you to be good Christians. He wants you to avoid sins. He wants you to do the good works. But understand that it's not that is not what saves you. 
I'm, I'm thrilled to death that you all are here at church today. But coming to church here is not going to save you. You can come to church. You could be here every day for the rest of your life. That's not going to save you. Doing good. Listen, you know, putting money in the offering. That's not going to save you. I'm not trying to discourage you from doing it, but it's not going to get you to heaven. Doing good works, you know, being kind to your neighbor, being good people. It's good. God wants you to do it. And He wants, I mean, He, He asks us to do it. He tells us to do it. He wants us to constantly be reminding people to do it. We're going to, I mean, we're going to preach against sin around here. We're going to, we're going to do whatever we can to motivate you to do right. But understand that you can follow all the rules and you can do everything that you hear the preacher talking about, but those works can't save you because you're going to find out that our, we, we mess up all the time. Our righteousness is just nothing but a filthy rag in the sight of God. But when it comes to salvation, we rely on His righteousness, not our righteousness. Go ahead. I want you to do the good works. God wants you to do the good works. But understand, they don't save you. People, they'll do some big things for the church sometimes and it gives them this wonderful feeling of peace. Well, that's that's definitely going to get me into heaven. Man, I, with that check I put in the offering plate, Lord's definitely going to let me in. No, it's not by works of righteousness. I'm telling you, Bill Gates, Donald Trump, all them rich guys, they can't buy... They can't buy eternal life. Their works won't cut it. They give everything they have to the work of the Lord. It's not going to save them. We don't. We rely on His righteousness. We rely on His work. Second Corinthians chapter five and verse twenty-one says, "For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him." Well, that's an amazing verse right there. We could talk about that one for a long time. Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, there was no sin in Him. He never sinned. The Bible said He became sin for us. When He died on the cross, He did the work that needed to be done so we can be saved. He did the work. We couldn't have done that because we were already sinners. It had to have been someone who was righteous, and that was Jesus Christ. It's His work. People say all the time, you know, they'll accuse us sometimes of, you know, because we, you know, believe in repentance, they say we're teaching work salvation. No, we're not. Jesus Christ did the work. Gee, when, when, just because you pray, you know, we pray and you call out on God for salvation, that's, that's not a work. The work to save somebody was done on the cross. All you have to do is accept that gift. All you have to do is call upon. The Bible says, "For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." Calling on the name of the Lord is not a work for salvation. Jesus Christ did the work on the cross. Repentance is not a work for salvation. Repent. Jesus Christ did the work. Jesus Christ does the saving. He did all of it, and we rely on His work. Jesus Christ is the light. This means that basically that He's everything that is good. 1 John 1 verse 5 says, This is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. You know, we live in a world today where people think that you know, they can pick what's right and what's wrong. They'll say that some of the things that we preach against, well, that's wrong. That that's you know that's that's not right. But the truth is, God is, is Jesus Christ is light. 
John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. What determines what's right and what's wrong is not by what we feel as an individual. It's not by what a majority of Americans think. It's not by what a majority of religions say. What decides what's right and what is good is God Almighty. Jesus Christ. He is the way. What determines what is truth is not by what a majority of Bible scholars believe. It's by what God says. It's by what Jesus Christ says. He is the way, the truth, and the life. They're always coming out with these polls saying different things. If they come out with a poll saying 99.9% of Americans believe that you can go to heaven other ways than just through Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter. The polls don't determine truth. Jesus Christ is the truth. And I tell you, we listen to that stuff way too much. I saw a thing online last night. A scientist is saying that it's not going to be long and evolution will no longer even be a debate. It will be proven fact. A majority of people will have accepted it. Listen, I don't care. I don't care if 99.9% of the world accepts it what the world decides in their mind is truth does not determine truth. It's Jesus Christ that determines truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the light. He's everything that is good. And those who desire forgiveness will go to the light. John chapter 1. Not First John, but John chapter 1. Verse 4 says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of that light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Notice that every man that cometh into the world. I believe that there's something inside of everybody that if they really do desire forgiveness, they're going to go to Jesus Christ. I believe I believe it. So He's that light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And you say, well, then why do people go other ways? Why do people not want to go to Jesus Christ? Why do people seem to be running from Him? Well, I think we can find out that in John chapter 3. And I encourage you to read the whole chapter. John chapter 3, we don't have time to go through all of it. But John chapter 3, we'll start reading in verse 19. It says, And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Those who desire forgiveness, they're going to be attracted to Jesus Christ. There's something in them. They're going to understand that He is the only one that can save them. You say, why do so many people run from it? It's because they love their sin. The Bible said men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Why is it that many of the wicked places are always very dark? Some of the bars and things and they're always very dimly lit and very dark. People, when they're doing wicked, 
They like to think that nobody can see them. It's just natural to want to do it in dark places. It's, it's human nature. And the reason people run from Jesus Christ, the Bible says it's lest their deeds should be reproved. If they were to look in the Word of God, it's going to be very clear that they're going the wrong way. And they don't want, they don't want to be shown that. They don't, they don't want to, they don't want to know the truth. They like their sin. It says men love darkness rather than light. Lest their deeds should be reproved. That's what people just need to admit. That I love my sin. I'm not sorry for my sin. I'm going to continue in my sin. Nobody says that. But that is, the truth is, that is why people run from Christ because they, they understand that if I go to that church, they're going to preach the Word and they're going to make me feel bad. Well, it's not, it's not the preacher making you feel bad. It's the Word of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's reproving your works. It's showing that you're, a, it's, it's, you're going the wrong way. And we have proof. It's here in God's Word. But they don't want to see that. They want to continue on just going along their merry way like everything is okay. And they can't stand it when people speak out against it. They can't stand it. That's why they, people want to get the Ten Commandments taken down from the courtrooms. Well, you know what? If I was some of these judges and things that had committed adultery, I wouldn't want to be reminded that thou shalt commit adultery. If I'm some of these crooked lawyers and things, I don't want to see that thou shalt not steal and stuff like that. I don't want to be reminded of that. I don't want that light to be shining. I don't want to see that. I don't want, I don't, I'm not going to want crosses around to remind me of what Jesus had to do for my sins. I'm not going to want to be reminded of that. I'm not going to want to see that. And I'm telling you, we're coming to a day where they're going to start banning crosses and things from church buildings. We're going to have to make our churches not look like churches. And some churches are doing that on their own. They make them not look like churches just so people feel better when they come. Listen, one thing I like about this building, it looked like a church. You come in here, it feels like a church. You know what? That's okay. We're not going to try. We're not going to get rid of the pews and get rid of the pulpits and all those things just to make it more comfortable and make people feel better. We're not going to do that. We're going to remind people. I mean, this is this is a church. We're going to use the Bible. We're, there's something about just waving one of these black books around that just people don't like. Let's go to let's go to the screens instead. Where you know it's just, it's not as convicting that way. You know, and people they let's modernize everything, make it feel better. No, let's not do that. We're supposed to be reminding people of some things. Let's sing those old hymns. Boy, those they bring conviction. They, I mean, they. Uh, there's a lot of good doctrine in those things. A lot of doctrine that people don't like because it doesn't go along with what they're trying to teach. We're going to do that, but people they run from it because they they love their sin. But also, we see in verse six of First John chapter one. We're going to read verses six. Through ten, the rest of the chapter says, "If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us." If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. We see here in this passage that Jesus Christ is our hope. You know, it's not enough to just say you believe. 
you ought to be backing it up with your life. It says, if we say we have fellowship in verse 6 with Him and walk in darkness, if you're living like a lost person, walking like a lost person, doing all those things, but you say you're in fellowship with Jesus Christ, not me. I wouldn't call any of y'all a liar. I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to do that. The Bible says you lie. Those are strong words. Nobody likes to hear that. Them fighting words. But you know what? We don't need to be, we're not going to, we don't want to try fighting God. We're going to lose for sure. He said, if you walk in darkness and say you have fellowship with me, you lie. These, these preachers out there that are, some of the stuff they're preaching goes completely against the Word of God. And then they talk about the fellowship they're having with God. And you say, well, but they're a preacher and they're saying all the, you know, they're saying that they have fellowship with God. They say that God spoke to them. Well, they lie. You'd be surprised. There's a lot of people out there that lie. There's, there's a lot of liars out there. And that, but it's not enough to say, believe you have, you need to be backing it up with your life. This doesn't mean that you'll be perfect. We still need cleansing. Verse 7 says, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. So even when we're walking with Him, we still need His cleansing. And His blood will cleanse us from all sin. God will forgive you of the sins that you do. But if you're walking in, if you're walking in Him, you're not going to be perfect, but you're not going to be walking in total darkness. There's going to be a difference. You're only capable of making yourself think that you're without sin. Verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. There's many people today, they, they don't think they're sinners. They don't think they're that bad. You know what? If, you, if there's anybody here, I'm sure none of you do, that think you're not a sinner, I can promise you, you're the only one that thinks that. I guarantee if we went and talked to your family members, they could tell us something about you, something that maybe you've done, something uh, maybe a fault that you have in your life. I mean, it, and if you if you think that, I mean, you won't have to stick around long at all, and we'll figure it out. It doesn't take long. It's for us, it's it's just it's all over us. We're all sinners. If you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. The truth is not in you. But verse 9 says, if we confess our sins. Confession is the act of giving up or forsaking. I saw a thing on the internet the other day about a man. It was a mugshot of him. And it said a man confesses to a crime from maybe 30 years ago. And I was looking at that picture, and this guy had, you know, usually when you see mugshots, everybody's, you know, looking all tough and hard and stubborn. This guy, he just—he was an older fellow, and he just looked completely at peace. And I looked—I saw that picture, and I thought, I wonder if that guy got saved or something. And I went and I read the story, and it turns out this guy, 30 years ago, he committed some horrible stuff, crimes, and he walked into the police station and confessed. He said, "I, I did it." He went and gave him details to the murder that nobody else knew about. The public didn't know about it, and it was very clear that he was, in fact, the one that did it. As we read the story, it turned out he had had a born again experience, I guess, and had got he got religion, and he felt he needed to go back and make up for some of these things that he had done. And confession, it's it's giving up. 
something. People say, you know, there's a lot of people who say, fine, I'm a sinner. Yeah, yeah, I sin. So what? Not a big deal. I'm not going to do anything about it. Well, that's that's not confessing just you know, like that. There's a lot of people out there that will commit crimes and they'll admit they committed the crimes, but they're not about to turn themselves over to the authorities. They're not about ready to do anything like that. They're stubborn about it. They'll go to court and they'll say that they're not guilty trying to get out of trouble. This guy didn't do that. He went and he confessed. He he was willing to... Alright, whatever I've got coming, I've got coming. I'm at peace with that. And when you truly confess your sins to God, you're going to Him admitting it. Saying, hey, I've done this. But we do it asking for forgiveness. and says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if you go to Him and say, Lord, you know, I'm sorry for whatever, but Lord, I'm going to keep doing it. Well, that's not really confession, is it? You haven't really confessed your sins to Him. And many people, they think they're doing that. But thank God, He always forgives and He can always cleanse no matter what you've done. And the truth is, to say that you have no sin is to call God a liar. It says that in verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. So if you really think you're not that bad, somebody's a liar. And it's either you or God. And I think I'm going to believe God. I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to believe God. And really, anyone who says that they do not deserve hell is calling God a liar. Because sin is any transgression of the law. It means we miss the mark. We've fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is an eternity in hell. And to say that you've sinned but do not deserve to go to hell doesn't make any sense. You're only deceiving yourself with that statement. We. When we confess our sins, we're saying, hey, we deserve, we deserve to go to hell. Lord, I want You to forgive me because I don't want to go there. Lord, I don't want to have to pay for my sins. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to forsake it. Lord, please forgive me. And when we do that, thank God, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll do that. But I'm telling you, I'm worried about people who make light of sin. Yeah, fine, I'm a sinner, but you're a sinner. We're all sinners, so no big deal. No, it's it's a huge deal. Jesus Christ had to come to this earth and die on an old rugged cross. Suffer greatly for our sins. But thank God, He did it. And He's made a way for us to go to heaven. And if you've done that, if you if there's been a time in your life where you asked Him for forgiveness... And you believe with all your heart and ask Him to be your Savior, you can know for you can know that you're saved. And I, I hope you've done that. And over the next several weeks, we're going to talk more. There's there's more evidence. There's more things that we can look at. But I encourage you take those outlines home, read those verses, study those, pray about it, and ask God to show you, Lord, am I saved? Lord, did I ever do that, or have I just been deceiving myself? Lord, I've been I've been trying to be a good person, you know. It, I've been kind of relying on that. Lord, I'm sorry. That was the wrong way to do it. Lord, I understand my righteousness isn't good enough. I need to depend on Your righteousness. Lord, Lord, please forgive me. I've still fallen short. Lord, I've, I've tried, but I've not been good enough. Lord, please forgive me of my sins and save me. If You do, He will. He'll save your soul. Let's all stand together this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed.